Well, Rock Church, how's everybody doing today? Y'all good? So good. It's so good to see you guys. So I am glad that, that, that you are with us. For, for those of you in Conway, for anybody watching online or from any of our campuses, uh, I just want to welcome you here and uh, hope that you're having a great day uh, and a great time of worship. All right. So want, want to celebrate that. And uh, some of you might be here today for the first time ever, might be your first experience at The Rock. And if that's the case, I, I want to thank you for that because I know that can have a little bit of anxiety maybe coming to a place uh, for the very first time. So, so thankful that you've done that and would invite you, if you are new with us, uh, make sure that you stop by the New Here tent. We want to connect with you. We want to help you find what matters. Uh, we, that's what we really believe as a church. So uh, you can get connected with us by the New Here tent. You can get connected through that QR code uh, that is on the chair in front of you. And uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet, uh, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, thankful for you guys and just being a part of this church. All right, now. We're in a series, and we're kind of coming towards the end of the series, and this series is, has been called The Unhurried Life, that we've been talking about how do we unhurry our life? How do we maybe slow down a little bit? And each week, we've kind of given you a, a method. We've kind of given you a scripture thought and a discipline that you can incorporate into your life. And, and they've built upon one another that, that they're really not supposed to be taken from a separate point of view, but that we should really build upon them. And, and, and the things that we build upon, so the, here's how it, how it kind of works, is that, that what, what we want to do is we want to we want to build upon it. We, we want to we take this idea of, of pausing is what we talked about in, in week one. Is that, that we said we, we have to pause. And then on top of pause, then, then where we went after that is we said that you've got to be present. And then when you add to it, you pause and then you be present. And then from being present... Uh, what we said is you've got to pray, and then from prayer we said ponder. That that's what we really dealt with last week. So I want you to see how it kind of works. Is that if we want to unhurry our life, then we're going to pause. We're going to be present. We're going to pray. We're going to ponder, and then this week we're going to add one more to it. All right, and what we're going to add this week is purge. That if you're going to unhurry your life, you've got to purge your life. Now, that word purge, it's a weird word, all right? Um, like, like, I want you to try to think of the definition of purge for a second. That, that, that just think about that. Like, what does purge mean? And the interesting thing is some people, when you think of purge, they, they would say this, that, that purge means well, to get rid of, like, like that's what some people, like when you come to mind, that might, that might've been what came to your mind that you might've said, well, purge to you means to get rid of others of you. You might've thought about the word purge and you would have thought like a movie, 
right? Like some of you went that direction. And, and, and then there's another definition. So here's reality that that word purge, what it means is one, to get rid of. So if you're thinking that way, that, that, that definitely is what purge means. It can mean that, that you might've thought, well, I got to clean out my closet or I got to clean out the, the garage. Yep. That's what purge can mean. It also means to violently remove someone or something, which for any of y'all who thought about the movie, that's where that comes from. But there's a third definition of purge that probably most of us didn't know, and I didn't until I looked it up. It's a laxative. (laughs) Right? Like, 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 think about this. Like, it comes from old English. There was a plant that had a milky base that functioned as a laxative. So, well, if you understand a laxative, that means to remove and to release and to get rid of, okay? So that's what I have for you today is I want to give you a laxative. Not really. But we do, we do want to talk about this idea of removing things. We do want to talk about this idea of releasing things. We want to talk about this idea of getting rid of some things. And here's why. Because my guess is we all have some things that we need to get rid of. We all have some things that we need to remove from our life. There's, we all have some things that we need to release or be relieved of. And, and these things can hurry our life and they can take us away from Jesus. So, so what we need to be trying to do is, is remove some things and some release some things. And, and there might be some things uh, in your life that you would say, I need to remove. Uh, there's probably some things in your closet that you need to remove, like your literal closet, that you can go home and say, there's some things in my closet that I need to remove, I need to release. But there's also some things probably in your spiritual closet that you also need to remove and to release. There's some things on your calendar that you probably need to remove or release. They might even be good things, but they're keeping you from a God thing, so you might need to remove those and release those. There's probably some things in your mind that you need to remove that you need to release that is keeping you from connecting with God or connecting with others. There's definitely some things in our hearts that we need to remove and that we need to release because they're keeping us from God and from others. That, that here's the rela- reality is we all need to purge. That if we're going to unhurry our life, if we're going to get to know Jesus better, we need to purge. And for some of you, you'll be like, okay, I'm excited about, about today because I'm a minimalist and I want to hear this. Others of you are like, okay, we're good. I mean, you're you're kind of in that, that, that zone of if in doubt, throw it out. Like that, that's how I kind of live, right? Others of you, though, might want to admit that you're a little bit of a hoarder. And some of you, I see you looking around at people in your life right now. That some of you are hoarders, and you're like, 
but I don't know if I want to get rid of it. And if that's the case, today might be hard. Because we're going to have to get rid of some things. Now, how do we do it? Well, there's a secret. There's actually a couple secrets. That, that the secret... Here's, here's one. That the secret of simplicity is contentment. That, that if you want to purge your life of some things, then we need to simplify our life. But the secret of simplicity is contentment. And the reality is, is we're not, we're not very good at being content. Anybody agree with me on that? That we're just not very good at being content. And the reason we're not very good at being content is we constantly want more. That, that, that we live in this world of more, more, more. I need more stuff. I need more wealth. I need more things that I just want to pile it on. And one, we see this just in our stuff. That, that we are really good as people at collecting stuff. My daughter, Abby, she is the queen of this. That... When she went off to college, I took it under my own desire to go uh, straighten up her room. And here's how I straightened up her room with trash bags. I didn't throw away any of her clothes. I know some of you ladies are like, oh, you don't do that, right? I didn't throw them away. I just put them all in trash bags. And her closets were totally full. And I piled up four 55-gallon drum trash bags full of clothes to the point that I took them into the garage. And she was home from college this weekend, and she saw them in the garage. She goes, you, you better not throw away my clothes. I said, oh, I'm not. And then she went shopping in her own bags. You know what I'm saying? Like she went over and said, oh, I've been looking for this, right? But we, we are really good at collecting stuff. We're so good at it. I don't know if you know, but... The, the storage container business is a $40 billion business. Like, like storage units, here's reality. There are more storage units in America than fast food restaurants. There are more storage units in America than apartments. Like we are really good at collecting stuff. We love to shop. That, that we are, we are, if I can say it this way, that we are so consumed with shopping that we go shopping, that we shop online, that, that we buy people's junk, we go to market, Facebook Marketplace, we're like, oh, look at this. Um, we, we drive down the road and we're like, yard sale, you know what I mean? And, and, and it's like we, we, we make a living on that. And some of you are like, preach, please. And some of you are like, Finkley, you've gone too far today. Right? But, but we love to collect and stuff. But here's the problem. The more we get, all it does is bring more problems and more stress and more worry and less freedom. And that's not just about the stuff. That's also about our calendar. Like, like, just as, as we like to collect stuff, we also like to put things on our calendar. And we just pile things on our calendar like crazy. Young adults, like, like you'll do this. 
Because you, you'll have class and you'll have work and you'll be like, well, that's a necessity. It is. But then every night you'll be like, well, I got to go hang out with some people. And you're like, tonight, I just got to sleep. I'm just going to sleep. And then somebody texts you and you're like, hey, we're all hanging out tonight. And you're like, well, I'm gone. Right? Like, I got to get it on my calendar because I'm, I have a fear of missing out. Parents, we're, we're no better. That, that we get our kids involved in everything because we're afraid of missing out. We're afraid that our child might not get connected with that popular group or with that in thing. And so we get them in dance and we get them in ballet and we get them in gymnastics and we get them in, in baseball and football and basketball and travel ball and karate. And we put them in all those things. And, and listen, let's make sure you hear me. None of those are wrong. None of them are bad. They're actually good. But if you pile so many good things on, you don't leave room for the God things. So the challenge today is simplify. But the only way you can simplify is through contentment. We've got to learn to be content. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, he wrote a book called the Book of Philippians. This is a book that we've been studying, and, and it's on the screen here, so I want to turn to it. It's Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. And this is how Philippians 4, 11 reads. It says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content. With whatever I have, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. That, that, that let's break this verse down for just a little while. That, that, that what Paul is getting at here is he's saying, I've learned how to be content. Not like I just developed it, not that it just came to me. I learned it. Because as people, this isn't a character trait that comes natural. To be content, we've got to learn it. We've got to figure it out. Let me keep going in it. He goes back to, he says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation. Now, guys, this is the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul is a guy who, well, I don't want to say growing up because I really don't know about growing up, but at least in his adult years, he had a lot of stuff. He had prestige. He had position, which means he probably had wealth, that, that, that he had a, a very high education. He had a lot of stuff. But if you were here a couple weeks ago, you know that we said that he came to understand that stuff was rubbish. And then he had points in his life where he had very little, that, that he didn't have enough food, that he didn't have shelter, that, that he went in seasons of life from having a lot to having very little, and in it he learned the secret of contentment, that he learned, man, I can just be content in whatever situation. And I believe that Paul learned this secret by looking at Jesus. That, that Paul patterned his life off of Jesus Christ. And, and he knew that when Jesus was alive, Jesus at different times in his life had a whole lot and very little. That, that there was times in Jesus' life where he had wealth. 
Like we often forget that, but remember when he was a baby, he had gold and frankincense and myrrh, which were all very expensive things. And it was wealth at the moment, but to help carry them through life. That, that there was times in, in Jesus' life that he had a home, that he had a trade, but then he also had times in his life where he was walking through fields and the only thing he could eat was the grain. That he had times that, that he said to people, I don't have a house. I don't have a, a, a place to lay my head tonight. There, there were times that people invited him to nice weddings and, and fancy dinners, and then there was times where he had very little. Jesus showed us how to live content. And Paul followed that leading. That if we want to purge and if we want to simplify our life, then what we have to do is learn the secret of simplicity, which is contentment. But you might, you might say, okay, Josh, that's great, but how do I actually be like Jesus and how do I be content? Well, that's the next part and that's the next secret. And the next secret is the secret of strength is Christ. Because right after Paul said that I've learned the secret of contentment and the secret of how to live on a lot or a little, he then said that I found it in strength through Christ. So the secret of simplicity is contentment, but the secret of strength is Christ. Look back at Philippians chapter 4. Reads like this. It says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. For I can do all things, is a way another translation reads it. That I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. This is Philippians 4.13. Now, the interesting thing about this verse is this is one of the... This is like one of those verses in Scripture that is like a highlight verse. Like anybody who's ever done athletics, especially if you did collegiate athletics, you know this verse. It's in every locker room, in pretty much every college sports area, either on somebody's shoes or taped in their locker, or, or maybe they write it on their, on their tape or, or stuff like that, or professional locker rooms. Like, like this is a verse that honestly has been taken out of context. Because what people do with this verse is they say, well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which they think or they'll broadcast what it means is I can be successful and all of my success, Jesus is going to give it to me, which is true. That's half of the verse. But the other half of the verse is I can be without because of the strength of Christ. I can live on little because of the strength of Christ. Uh, again, in athletics, too many times we use it like, man, I can hit a, roam, uh, hit a home run because I can do all things through Christ. Yeah. Uh, I can hit the game-winning shot because I can do all things through Christ. Well, yeah. But if you truly understand the verse, you also go, and I can strike out because I can do all things through Christ. That, that I can miss the game-winning shot because I can do all things through Christ, that, that I can score the touchdown and I can fumble the ball because I've learned this secret of contentment that whether I hit the home run or strike out, I'm content. I'm not complacent, okay? Like, let's make sure we understand that. I'm not complacent. Complacent isn't what this verse is about. So I can strike out. I'm not complacent going, oh, I'm good with that. No, I, I'm mad about that. But I'm good because I'm content 
because I realize Christ gives me strength. And you might say, okay, well, that's great, Josh, in the athletic world, but what about in my world? It's the same. It's the same because when my job is going great, I can do all things through Christ because I'm content. He gives me strength. And when my job is a struggle, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That my marriage can be going great and I can say we can do all things through Christ. And my marriage can be going poorly and we can say I can do all things through Christ. Because we're going to be content here. Not complacent, but content to say in Christ, he will give us success. In Christ, he can lead us. In Christ, he can take care of us. And that goes so much further than that. Again, we have this desire. We want more and more and more and stuff in our life. And what would it look like if we said, no, I'm going to say no to myself because I'm going to be content and I'm going to find my strength in Christ. Meaning that I can battle this addiction because Christ will give me strength. That I can say no to that bottle of wine because Christ can give me strength. That I can say no to that, that, that addiction, whether it's a shopping addiction or a food addiction or, or an alcohol addiction or a drug addiction. I can say no because Christ can give me strength. I don't have to add that to my life. I can say no to it. I don't have to live my life by somebody else's standards. I can live it through Christ because he will give me strength. I don't have to live it through somebody else's dream. I can live it through Christ. I don't have to live it through the way somebody else is living and chasing all that stuff. No, I can live through the power of Christ. Here's what I'm trying to say today. Is that it's time to purge. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we learn the secret of simplicity, which is contentment, and we learn the secret of strength, which is Christ, which means to purge, I need to be content in Christ. Then I need to be content in Christ. Well, if I'm going to be content in Christ, how do I do that? Like, what are some practical things I can do to be content in Christ? Well, like, like, how can I do that? What can I do to make sure that I'm finding contentment in Christ? Now, th that's the question of the day. And Clay's going to talk about that here. How do you practice contentment in Christ? Four quick things today. The first thing is to simply be thankful. Philippians 4, uh, verse 10, it says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. What Paul is doing right here in this scripture is he's thanking God and he's thanking people. And that's something I feel like we are not great at as people. Part of the reason that we want what we don't have is because we aren't practicing thankfulness for what we do have. 
You know, there's a reason this idea, this word gratitude has become so popular recently. If you look at any, like, journal, if you look at any planner, if you look at any uh, coaching that people give through some sort of digital means or physical means or, or through a book or something like that, one of the things that's always mentioned is to practice gratitude. It's a major thing in our culture today. And I think the reason why is because the people have tried it, even if they're not doing it from a thought of Jesus, they're centering themselves on what they've been blessed with, what they've been given, what they currently have. And when you recognize what you currently have, it makes it a whole lot easier not to want something else. Let's practice this together real quick. Think about the things that you can thank God for right now, today, on this Sunday morning. You thank God for waking up. You can thank God for the ability to get ready for the day with a roof over your head. You can thank God for the breakfast that you ate. You can thank God for that Cajun filet biscuit, amen, hallelujah, right? (laughs) You can thank God that we have religious freedom here in this room to be able to come and gather as a church. You can thank God for the ability for your kids or your grandkids to be out in Kids Rock where they have leaders and coaches that are investing in their lives to help them find what matters on their level. Be thankful for the worship that we get to participate in. You can be thankful for the plans that you have this afternoon. We could go on and on and on for all the things that we can thank God for today. I don't know if we practice that. And what we got to start doing is starting each and every single day, recognizing what we can thank God for. And also, look what he says. He says, I know you have been concerned for me. In a way, what Paul is doing is he's thanking people. And when I think about my own personal life, when I think about other people, many times when I am thinking about other people, it's coming from a negative mindset. But instead, I need to be thinking, how are these people that are in my life, how can I be thankful for them? What are they providing for my life? What are they giving me? How are they affecting me? And what you're going to do is as you start practicing this thankfulness, you start practicing this, what you're going to do is you're going to start changing your thoughts. So the first thing we've got to do is be thankful. The second thing we've got to do is be thoughtful. Is what it says in Philippians 4, 11, and then the first part of 18. It says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. And in verse 18, it starts by saying, at the moment, I have all I need and more. Paul right here has learned how to live. That's what he said. And learning happens right here. It starts in your mind. And what we have to do is start practicing these mind tricks to stop desiring these other things. Paul, when he's writing this, he was in prison. There was a lot of things he could have desired. There's a lot of things that he could have wanted. There's a lot of things that he could have been like, if I just had this, life would be better. But said, no, I'm good. I'm content. And what he's able to do in this moment is he's able to say no to himself, 
no to his desire, and that's something we've got to develop. We've got to be able to say to no to the influences of this world, be able to say no to ourselves. And that starts right here. It's because what we're thinking about. We try to focus on all these other people and all the things that they have in their life. We try to focus on all the things that are occurring in their life. And what's really happening is we are seeing the social media highlights of their life. And while, yes, there are some great things about social media, it's fantastic in a lot of different ways. One of the dangers is it can create an, a, a feeling of desire for someone else's life. But you have to remember, whether it is through social media or through something else, that is a highlight reel. Because statistics say, behind that big house, behind that boat, behind that truck that you always want, and you are jealous of the, the guy or the girl that has all that stuff, statistics say they are in overwhelming debt. You look at that perfect family, like, man, if only my family was like that. If only my family could act like them. Statistics say they got some problems going on in their family too. You might say you desire what they have, but if you really realized what they have, you wouldn't desire it at all. See, that's the danger of desiring. That's the danger of this craving. That's the danger of searching for something else that is not of Christ. What we have to do is we got to think about him every single day, in every single moment. We got to say, Jesus, I just want you. Think about him when you want to go buy that thing. Think about him when you want to go binge eat. Think about him when you want to have that emotional outburst. And when you start to think about him, instead of thinking about the things that you crave, and the things that you desire, you can purge those things out of your life. So I'm going to challenge you this week, when you are setting your weekly schedule, think about him and everything that you do. And as you do that, that's going to allow you to be generous. Philippians 4, 18 through 19, it says, I am generously supplied with the gifts you have sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. These were people who gave to God. And when they gave to God, Paul was saying, God is going to repay you. And the same thing happens with us. When we are generous, God shows up and repays us. And it might not always be a, a dollar thing. It might not always be a money thing. But God always shows up in one way or another. And that generosity is always worth it. You see, when you give, what it does is it takes away the control that those things had on you. It takes the, away the control of that money. It takes away the control of those clothes. It takes away the control of that, that habit that you have. It takes away the control of that emotion that you have. And it gives it to God instead. And when you do that, man, life is so much better. And I'm going to challenge you this week to be generous. Go home. Grab a trash bag and be willing to donate some stuff to a Goodwill or some other thrift store type place where they take donations. We all have plenty. The, the, the truth is, like, 
me and Katie, we've lived in our house now for three or four years. There were some boxes that we threw into a closet right when we moved in saying, oh, we'll unpack those later. You guys think those things have been unpacked? Not a chance, right? We need to go home and we need to go through those boxes and we need to give that stuff away. You have stuff. All those clothes, you can give those away. Some of us, we have clothes that we are saving for when we get thin and fit. It ain't gonna happen. In fact, Katie told me after the last service that the boxes that were in that closet were the clothes that I will not fit into in the future. Give it away. Then you can buy new clothes. It's great. What this is going to do by being thankful, by being thoughtful, by being generous, it's going to create a worshipful spirit, and that's what we all need to have. Philippians 4.20 says, Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. Why does a spirit of worship come out of us? And it's because we recognize that Jesus is enough. And when we decide to follow him, when we decide to worship him, when we decide to say, God, I'm trusting you, we are purging the things that we don't need out of our life. And we're adding in the one thing that we actually do need. You see, our life wasn't meant to be a life of desire. Our life wasn't meant to be this life where we're craving things. Our life wasn't meant to be this this longing for something different. Our life was designed to be with Christ. And when we find Christ, that is when we have that contentment that we have been looking for. See, when your soul finds what it craves, which is Christ, that is when you will find contentment. So today, I'm going to challenge us to respond through an act of worship. And this is what Paul did. You know, the interesting thing about Paul is he's writing this from prison. And he's writing it to the town of Philippi, the church of Philippi. Well, the first time he was in jail, it was in Philippi. And when he was in that jail in Philippi, he started worshiping and all this crazy things happened. All of a sudden, he was freed. But there was this guard who was worried that he'd be killed. So Paul and his people, they stopped and they shared the gospel with him. And him and his whole family was saved that day. And they chose to remain in prison, which is crazy. But it was because Paul said, you know what? I got everything I need in Christ. And in this situation, he's writing again from prison. You have to wonder if he's sitting there being like, man, when's God going to show up again? When am I going to be freed from this problem? When can I just go and live? When can I have this freedom? When can I be who I'm actually designed to be rather than sitting in this jail cell? Yet, it's not his attitude at all. He was content. And he was content because he has Christ. He purged everything out of his life except for that. And he realized that's all he needed. And I don't know your situation today truth is you can purge everything out of your life you have Christ because of his death on the cross and the hope that he gives us for eternity we have everything that we need and when we realize we have everything that we need we can begin to worship and that's what we're going to do right now through singing 
through taking communion. Maybe you want to take the step of baptism. We got people who would love to talk to you about that. Maybe it's you just right now in this moment saying, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to make the decision to stop craving all these other things that don't satisfy me, to stop desiring all these other things. I'm going to purge those things out of my life, and I'm only going to choose you because that is what I need today. We've got options. So let's respond today. Let's purge out everything else and be content with Christ in this moment. Jesus, we worship you. Lord, we recognize that nothing else will do but you. Lord, help us today to find contentment in you. We love you. Amen.